Welcome to Friendship with God. Here's Tom Cantor. Welcome to Friendship with God. Hi, I'm Tom Cantor, and it's my privilege to spend this time, Monday through Friday, together with you, considering friendship with God. I was born and raised Jewish, the grandson of an Orthodox rabbi and the son of a Beverly Hills doctor. So you would think that with a rabbi and a doctor that I had every base covered. I mean, with a rabbi and a doctor, what more do you need? Well, the truth was that I knew I desperately needed to find friendship with God. And in 1970, when I was 19 years old, I finally found that friendship with God. How did it happen? The moment I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my God and Savior. And you know where I found him? In that wonderful book, the Bible. How about you, my friend? Can you honestly say that you have friendship with God? I mean, let me put the question to you this way. Picture this. You're waiting for the arrival of your friend at the airport. The doors open. The passengers appear. Suddenly, your eyes lock. You both smile. You found your friend. Let me ask you, if you locked eyes with God today, would you smile? Would you really know you found your friend? Well, God wants this friendship to be yours. And there are three kinds of friendship with God. There's a friendship based on feeling, there's a friendship based on faith, and there's a friendship based on fact. All are important, but only one is foundational. Picture three climbers. They're all tied together. Single file, up they go, scaling the face of the mountain. The lead climber, his name is fact. Tied below him, that's faith. And the last one, that's feeling. Suddenly, Feeling loses his footing, and he falls, and he's hopelessly dangling. But no problem. Faith and fact hold strong, and they're able to pull feeling back up again. Then feeling falls so badly that even faith could not hold on. And so both faith and feeling end up hanging desperately. But fact is not pulled down by faith and feeling. He's the strongest of all, and he pulls both faith and feeling back up again. Friendship based on fact is friendship based on the Bible. So that's why in our time together, we'll base our friendship with God on the facts of the Bible so that when our feelings become depression and our faith seems lost, our dependence on the Bible will pull our faith and our feelings back up again. I was a student out at UCSD, and I, know, I knew how to take a book like an organic chemistry book, which was that thick. It was, the authors were Cram and Hammond. I thought, I know why they call it Cram, but anyway. <laughs> and I used to study that book for eight hours. Uh, and and um, it was hard. You had to memorize the, all that stuff. Anyway, and, and I, I could regurgitate it. You know, I took, uh, I didn't believe in evolution, but I took developmental biology and I could regurgitate. I knew what they wanted to hear. So I was into that practice with books of studying them so that I could regurgitate it back. When I came to the Bible, I said, I don't want to do that with this book. I don't want to simply study and, and tell you things that, that, that uh, this person said or that person said, isn't this interesting and all this kind of stuff. I wanted to understand myself 
That was my first priority. Then I wanted to become a, 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 an effective teacher of simple truths. Simple truths. That's what I wanted to do. You know, if all I ever taught was John 3.16, that would be enough. Because I still am marveling at that verse. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? How could that be? That would have been enough. And so what I want to do, what I've wanted to do since then, also is to stimulate your thinking and my thinking with, a, a, with verses that will, as the Bible says, renew our minds, renew our minds, so that we'll come to know the Lord Jesus Christ more. And if we do that, then I'm successful, because I'm not here to entertain you. And there are many, many ways or many angles to teach this book. For example, you can teach the Bible from a scientific, apologetics angle. I'm a scientist. We could do that. We could talk about amino acids and and the DNA code, and and we could do all that. And information, and in the beginning was information, and there's nothing wrong, but we, we could do that. That's one way to counter all the Bible critics. We can teach the Bible from a historical angle so that you understand who begat who and the lines of Israel and the lines of Judah. and Oh, yeah, the kings. Oh, boy, which one was which? The good, the bad, mostly all bad. But anyway, a few good ones in there. We could teach the Bible from the angle of what do the original languages say? We can teach the Bible from certain points or topics which are really important, and they are. We can talk about abortion and and certain items and things like that. If we're going to do a building project here and and we need volunteers, we we can really know everything about Ezra and Nehemiah and building the wall. We can do that. But you have to choose the angle from which you're going to approach the Bible, study the Bible, or teach the Bible. You know who did this? And you know who made it very clear to us? John, the Apostle John. He chose what he was going to bring out, or emphasize, or teach in his Gospel. And he didn't make it a secret. He told us at the end of his Gospel why he wrote what he wrote. Turn to it, it's interesting. In John 20, verse 30 and uh, 31, he didn't state it again, but the last verse of his book in, in, in uh, chapter 21, he says, there's so much that could be written that I suppose all the libraries in the world couldn't contain everything about the Lord Jesus. But what he says here is his angle in John 20, verse 30. He says, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. What's he saying there? I filtered I took what I wanted. I chose certain points. And he said, so, so, so John, what, it, what was the basis for your filtration? What is the basis for your choice about what you, what you chose to teach, what you chose to emphasize? Where's your angle, John? That's verse 31. These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. See what he does? He, he gives us his angle. He says, my goal 
among all the many things that I have picked out and filtered and put forward in this gospel, is that I want three things to happen. One, I've chosen these things in the gospel of John so that you will believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He's the one. He's the one sent by God. Second, I want you to believe, that's why I've picked these things out, that he is God the Son. God the Son. We're going to talk a lot about God, the great word Elohim, which is a plural word, and the three persons that make up that Elohim. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you say the Son of God, which is written here, you have to say in your mind, that means God the Son. It's Abba Elohim, Father God. It's Ruach Elohim, Spirit God. And it's Ben Elohim, Son of God. He says, I want you to believe that, that He is God. He is God the Son. And then he says, I want you to believe that, but I want your belief to be of such a quality or such a type that it causes you, it draws you to put your trust in Him, to make Him your God, your Savior. And if you do that, John says, I know my God, and He's promised that He'll give you eternal life. So he's written these things because he wants us to have eternal life and he wants us to have eternal life by enlightening or renewing our minds by the things that he's brought out. That's his goal. I don't want you to leave this class and say, now that was a good lesson today. I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to leave the class and say, now that was a good teacher. I don't want you to do that. What I want you to do is I want you to walk out of the class and say, now that's a great savior. Because if you say that, I did my job. That's my goal. So I want to tell you that as we start off from the very beginning. Now, having said all that, now we can turn to the actual study in our text, which is Genesis 1. All right, we're going to go right to the beginning of the beginning. Book of beginnings, and we're right at the beginning of it, Genesis 1. Follow along. Now I'm going to read for you the first five verses. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. No more contested statement in the Bible than that. No more attacked part of the Bible than that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, And there was light. And God saw the light. It was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. All right, now here we are. We're going to study the first book of the Bible. It's a good good day. First book in the Bible. Let's start, let's start at the beginning of the book. Let's Let's judge the book by its cover. What's the cover of your Bible say? What's it say on yours? Holy Bible. That's what mine says too. It's falling apart, but it's Holy Bible. What's that word "holy" mean? What's "holy" mean? It actually comes from a Hebrew root. It means to make clean or to to be clean, make clean, 
Now, what's the word Bible mean? It means book. You're going to go to the, you go to the book place in German. You're going to go to the bib, bib, bibliotheque. In French, you're going to do the bibliotheque. Spanish, bibliotheque. It's, it's book. It means book. Book. Seems like a pretty uninteresting title for a book, but it's called the book because it's the book. It's the book. If you, this is a book like no other book. Now, what's, the, what's this book about? If you were to say to me, what is this book about? It's a big book. It's almost 2,000. It's 1,500 pages. It's a big book. I never read 1,500 pages before I became a Christian. I'm not sure I read five pages before. <laughs> anyway, I didn't read. I, seriously, I graduated from high school. I only read three books. I can't even remember what they were, but I don't know. they weren't this big. But anyway... So what's this book about? It's, it's, a, it's God telling us about himself. Look at the first verse of the book. What's the, what, what, what's the subject of that, ver, of that verse? God. God's the subject, right? That's what this book's about. This book is about God. If, if you want to find God, I wanted to find God. I got a Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And so I, 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 but I looked in the beginning, I said, well, we've got one part named old, it's two-thirds of the size. Got another part named new, it's one-third of the size. I got two reasons to start with the new part. <laughs> it's new and it's shorter. I'll go look for God in the new part. And, and, and that, so if you want to find God, you want to find out who God is, you want to find out what God has done, you want to find out what God is like? You want, to, you want to know about God? You want to know Him personally? You want to find out the first, remember the first rule in life? You want to find out what makes God angry? First rule in life, don't make God mad. You want to find that out? You want to find out second rule in life? What makes God happy? Make God happy. Second rule in life. You want to find that out? Your goal in life, your goal in life is to say, yeah, God, you know, he's a friend of mine. That's your goal. If that's, if that's, if that's what you want, this is the right book. This is the book that'll do it. And this book will take us to two levels with regard to God. In the first, it'll tell us what God did. What's called in the Bible, his acts. But in the second level, it'll tell us, the more that we see what God did, it'll tell us who God really is. His personality, if you will, or his, what, he, what he's like. You know, I have some dear Japanese friends, Tikendo and Motoko Ari. Uh, Tikendo is kind of a dreamer. You, you have to know him, really appreciate him. He, he, he's, he's thinking about things all the time. He's a landscaper. A landscaper, and, and uh, you know people like this will come uh, maybe to, in Genesis to, the book, to uh, Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. But to Kendo, he built our, 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 our Japanese garden, our home. And I, and, I, and I remember the first time Takendo came to our house and to look at, look at our, our, our front yard of weeds. And, and uh, he did something so strange. He, he just went into the middle of the street. First time we meet him, he goes into the middle of the street and, and right in the middle of our cul-de-sac there, and he just squatted down in the street, in the middle of the street, and he sat there alone for two hours. He just sat there, and, you know, we're looking out the window, say, has he been run over yet, or what's going on, you know? <laughs> he never got up. He never said a word to anyone. Those two hours, they just, it was just, you know what he was doing? He was painting, we learned later, in his mind, the picture of the garden. 
Because later on when we asked him for, for plans, he painted a watercolor of it. All that, he was doing that in, in those two hours. And the Garden got the Grand Champion Award from San Diego Home and Garden in 2006, was featured in Better Homes and Gardens. It really turned out to be a masterpiece for him. He, and he, so Takendo is oftentimes, and when you talk to him, he's just in another world. He's just thinking and dreaming, you know. Well, the first date that he had with Motoko in Japan, they went out to dinner, and when they were finished with dinner, Takendo realized he forgot his wallet. He didn't have any money. And so, and he began to get so nervous about it, you know, because if you know Takendo, it's not, it's very easy to understand. And so what Motoko did was she went into her purse and she got the money out and then she, 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 without saying a word, she slipped the money to him under the table. Isn't that charming? She slipped the money to him. Why? Because she didn't want him to lose face. And so from that act, Takendo realized, this is a person I want to get to know. This is a person that I may, I may, I may love. And, and from then on, he asked her out on many dates, and eventually they got married. From her act of slipping the money under the table, Takendo realized, this is a kind person. This is a caring person. This is a compassionate person. This is a person who doesn't want to see anyone lose face. Now, the first time I met my wife, Cheryl, she told me that she wasn't Jewish, but she loved the Jewish people. I thought, that's interesting. But I found her to be a great listener. Later, I found out that when we would talk on the phone for hours, that she, not just with me, but with others, would take a notebook and take notes of the conversation. So that later, she could review what was said and think about it, pray about it, things like that. I found that to be so, so interesting because from that act, I learned she is a sensitive person. She is a, a caring person. She is a person who is interested in other people and has time to listen. And, and so from that act, I wanted to go out on more dates. And we did go out on more dates. And I just couldn't get enough of her. So eventually we got married. This book tells us what God did, his acts. And when you sit down with this book and read it, you know what it's like? You're going out on a date with God. This is, this is a book that you go out on a date with God. You learn about him. And just like with the Kendo Matoko and Cheryl and I, the more you learn the more you're interested and you're drawn to and you say, I can't get enough of God. Today you talk, Tom, about the importance of the Bible. Maybe one of our listeners is wondering, how do you study the Bible? What would you say to that listener? Well, you know, that's exactly the same question that I had. I mean, I looked at the book and I asked myself the question, how do you study this? What is this book? How do you use this book? It's so large. And I was reading and reading, and it, the verse that really helped me a lot was Moses. Moses was such a faithful man of God. As a matter of fact, he's called Moses the faithful one. And in the end of his five books of Moses, the last book there in the book of Deuteronomy, in chapter 8 and verse 3, it's a wonderful chapter where he's standing in front of all the Jewish people, and 
they're there and and uh he's really at the end of his ministry he's not very far from the time when god is going to take him to heaven he's going to leave the jewish people and he has poured out his heart his soul to this people he's given his life it's been his life work to bring this people he's wandered with them during the 40 years in the desert and he's turning to them and he's he's saying to them i don't want you to miss the value of what god has just done for you in these 40 years So he's recapping for them and summarizing, and he says this verse in Deuteronomy 8.3. He's speaking about God. He's saying to his, his people, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. You know what he was saying there? He was saying, you know how important it is during these 40 years that you get food every single day? And you know how God provided that to you in the form of manna? Well, you know what? The Bible, the word of God, the word which proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. He says, picture it that way. Picture the Bible as coming out of the mouth of God. And that word is what you need every day to live by. So the importance of the Bible, daily food. For what? To live spiritually. When I read that verse, I said, That's it. That's what I need. That's what the Bible is to me. It's not just another book on the shelf. This is God's word from his mouth that I need every single day to live. That's the verse, Deuteronomy 8.3. God's word is very important. You know, you also talked about what a large book that the Bible is. You even mentioned that it was the largest book that you had ever read. So for someone who's new to the Bible— who may be intimidated by its size. What is the secret to understanding the Bible? Well, you know, in reality, I'm not a reader. I mean, I don't like, I've got a little bit of dyslexia, both my second son and I, we don't like to read books. And so, you know, when I look at the book of the Bible and I said, oh, what am I going to do? It's such a large book. But then I came to this verse in John chapter 5. And when I read this, I said, I've got it. And it was very simply put this way by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said this, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. You know, those two verses are talking about not about the what of the Bible, but the who of the Bible. When he said, they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life, he was saying, you want to understand the Bible? You've got to understand me, because I am the subject of the Bible. The Bible 
testifies of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is the blueprint of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to come to the Bible, you'll be coming to me. When you come to me, you'll have life because he is the life giver. So what I learned from that, the key to understanding the Bible is very simple. It's a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is what the Bible is talking about. Tell us a little bit more about why John wrote his book. Well, John stated clearly in John chapter 20, verse 31, that he had a goal in mind when he wrote his book when he said, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So he said that he wrote what he wrote so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God the Son, and that in believing these facts we would have life through his name. And that's why above what he wrote He wrote of the passage of Thomas, who confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and his God. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom will continue on the Bible as our foundation for our friendship with God. If you'd like to learn more about Tom Cantor or Israel Restoration Ministries, visit our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org There you'll find more resources to help you with your friendship with God. Join us again tomorrow at this same time as we continue in Genesis. Genesis